good morning slash evening. Welcome to the Cowboys and Rice podcast, a perfectly passable China-Africa podcast. I am your host, Winslow Robertson, and in what has become a disturbing pattern, Dr. Enkem Kalu will not be joining us today. Today's episode is brought to you by our sponsor, African Development Jobs. African Development Jobs, a site run by Nino Duro, seeks to connect development workers with professional development resources and work opportunities in Africa. On a quest to help diversify development, it highlights the voices and issues of Africans and the diaspora in the field. It is also the best site for finding employment in the development field in Africa that I know of. Today, we will discuss the latest Chinese white paper on foreign aid, which is released on July 10. This is actually the second such white paper, as the first was released back in 2011. Regardless, this white paper looks at foreign assistance from 2010 to 2012, and the cumulative total of which is $14.4 billion. Of that, half went to Africa. Some more context on the white paper itself, as well as the rhetoric behind the white paper, I have asked two guests to join me on today's pod, Ms. Marina Rudiak and Mr. Christian Straub. Ms. Rudiak holds an MA in Modern and Classical Chinese Studies in Public Law from the University of Heidelberg. After graduating in 2009 with a thesis on the People's Republic of China's energy security policy in Central Asia, she worked in the Beijing office of the German Agency for International Cooperation, or the GIZ. In April 2014, she rejoined the Institute of Chinese Studies as an assistant to pursue her PhD on Chinese foreign aid and China's role on international development. Christian Straub is a PhD candidate at the Max Planck Institute for Social Anthropology in Germany. He also got his MA from the University of Heidelberg, focusing on modern Chinese studies, economics, and political science in South Asia. Mr. Straub runs the website www.christianstraub.be, which looks at China's relations with Copper Belt African countries. He also translates Chinese documents into English, and he cruelly beat me in the logo design for the Chinese in Africa, Africans in China Research Network. I will never forget that. Miss Rudiak, Mr. Straub, welcome to the pod. Thank you. Good morning from Halle. What's the weather like over there? Well, Heidelberg is sunny. We have... Uh, 11.44 in the morning, blue skies, um, summer. Oh, that's great. So after, after recording, what are you guys going to do? I will keep on reading. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure that's what your professors want to hear. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, I will keep on reading as well and uh, later meet an old friend from Beijing who recently moved back to Germany. Oh. Well, that's, that sounds like a really lovely day, and you know, I, I wish you luck, and I hope I don't keep you too long before you can get back to the books. Well, let's, let's get into this. Ms. Rudiak, could you tell us what you yourself, as an expert in this field, made of the white paper? Will your PhD write itself at this point? Well, fortunately or unfortunately, not. The interesting thing about the white paper is what it doesn't tell. First of all, we have been expecting it much earlier. It was supposed to come out end of last year. So it was promised by Mofcom. And rumors were that it should be much more detailed than the first white paper. Talking about more precise numbers, 
with respect to countries, to sectors, and to projects. But if we look at the white paper as it is now, we kind of see a continuation from the 2011 white paper, just adding on the numbers for 2010 to 2012. This kind of makes us think that within the Chinese system, there is so far not really a consensus on how to deal with the Western criticism with respect to statistics. And there is also a big debate going on on whether the Chinese aid system needs to be restructured, how aid can be managed more effectively, and whether at all aid should be maybe moved out from MOFCOM's responsibility to a separate ministry or put, for example, under the Ministry of Foreign Affairs. So to me, what the white paper represents is kind of a continuation of status quo. Nevertheless, since the Chinese government promised to update the data, this is kind of what they did. And what we also see is that in terms of the speak they use, they have approached very much what's the standard within the ODA, uh, OECD DAC and the Western Development System. Because they don't talk about the history of aid anymore. They also don't talk about the aid principles, but they talk about the same things we do talk, like uh, poverty reduction, sustainable economic development, millennium development goals, and even environmental aspects. So they show that they are trying to respond to the claims and they they are approaching to the DAC standards but in a way they can do it at the moment looking from the domestic perspective. You touched on something that I, I would like you to expand on for our, our listeners. So you mentioned there's internal debates on how to structure aid and perhaps a move from MOFCOM to the Ministry of Foreign Affairs, or a definite move. I mean, that is really significant. Could you explain why that's a big deal and sort of how Chinese aid is currently structured? So at the moment, foreign aid is administered by the Department of Foreign Aid within the Ministry of Commerce. However, Aid is channeled through the Ministry of Commerce, Ministry of Finance, Chinese Exim Bank and China's Development Bank and has to be coordinated with the Ministry of Foreign Affairs. All of them vertically report to the State Council. So although MOFCOM is supposed to coordinate the aid, it is coordinating ministries which are hierarchically on the same political level. So it does not have the power to coordinate. It became obvious within the Chinese system that aid system as it is now is not very effective and basically nobody really knows or is in control of Chinese companies who implement aid within the framework of aid projects. There is also a big debate whether aid should serve economic and commercial interests as it is now with aid being under MOFCOM or whether it should become, let's say, like, for example, in the United States or in Great Britain, part of the foreign administration system and directly serve foreign policy. 
there are many voices who are in favor of taking aid out of Mofco, but according to very recent numbers, aid budget constitutes 82% of Mofcom's overall budget, which means taking out aid from Mofcom structure would leave Mofcom with basically nothing. And some anecdotally say in the Chinese blog post that Mofcom already became an aid ministry. Mofcom very recently in April published a new foreign aid law draft on its webpage. It was on April 18th and funny enough the draft is open to criticism and proposals by the Chinese general public. There is a web address where everybody can send in his proposals and within that draft Mofcom makes very clear that it will be Mofcom who is in charge of coordinating and overseeing the system and aid workers. How far this will be effective remains open as long as those who Mofcom is supposed to coordinate are in the China's political hierarchy on the same level as Mofcom. Gosh darn. Well, one of the defining factors of the the China-Africa relationship, or at least when anybody's writing on this, is they'll sort of talk about, oh, China doesn't see aid the way America or Europe sees aid, and they're going to bundle their aid in with sort of commercial projects. And if MOFCOM loses the ability to, to administer aid, what will become of that narrative that China doesn't treat Africa like other countries treat Africa? This is a very interesting question, especially because Chinese aid model is not genuinely Chinese, but has been adapted from the Japanese developmental state model. And Japan and JICA are at the moment, in a way, crafting something they call the Asian development model, which they describe as being a combination of aid and FDI and being the secret of success for Japanese, Korean, and by now Chinese aid model, describing it as being necessary and complementary to the Western aid model, although Japan is part of the OECD DAC. So... The interconnection between aid and FTI in the Chinese context is so strong that it's really difficult to imagine for that to happen. What might happen is that at some point there will be a foreign aid or foreign international cooperation ministry created, which is specifically in charge for aid and which would be something like JICA or COICA or the German GIZ. But in terms of modes of delivery, I don't think it's likely that there will be a separation of aid and FDI, at least as long as China defines itself a developing country. Which will be for the rest of our lives. Probably. Okay. <laughs> Mr. Straube, to you. Could you talk about some of the translation issues that you have come across in this text. And, and I want to give our readers sort of a, a little background. Back in November last year, Mr. Straub sort of got involved in, on Chinese migrants in Zambia and how the numbers of those migrants were distorted for political purposes, such as President Sata, well, before he was presidential campaign. 
And there was also wildlife protection issues in May of this year when Prime Minister Li Keqiang was on, was on tour in Africa and there was this mistranslation of one, which is a unit of uh, 10,000. And what, what was the mistranslation again? It was uh, the budget for wildlife protection. And it was not 100,000. No, it was not uh, 100 million, but 10 million US dollars. And for anyone who follows Chinese, the numbering system for Chinese and the way you get into, once you get into the thousands up, things can get a little dicey if, if you're becoming at this from English. Exactly. And the, the problematic number was ETM1, which is 1,000, 10,000. And that makes up. 10 million, not 100 million. That was the issue. It, during that bit, everyone was like, oh my gosh, China's going to devote 100 million to wildlife protection, when in fact it was 10 million, which is still a very significant number, but 100 million for wildlife protection is pretty eye-popping. Exactly. Could you contextualize the white paper in the broader discourse on how to deal with Chinese sources in general and statistics in particular. How definitive is the English version up on Xinhua? And I, I also want to point out for our readers, Mr. Straub's catch was the first catch internationally on that mistranslation. And, and our group, the China Islands in Africa, Africa is a China Research Network, did reach out to major media outlets to try and get those numbers changed because everybody was reporting it as 100 million. So this, this guy who's talking, who's about to talk, like knows this stuff. He situates himself really well in here. Um, yeah, well, thank you for, for the question and, and your, your contextualization. And I, I would like to go back to the um, Zambian issue. I do research on, on Chinese mining companies on the Zambian copper belt. And I initially did research on how many Chinese are actually in Zambia. And there are numbers uh, that, that are 80,000, 100,000. And then we, we had this discussion in November on the mailing list of the Chinese in Africa, Africans in China Research Network. And th those numbers were checked. And 100,000 actually refers to major racial groups in the most recent census, Zambian census. And thanks to uh, scholars like Barry Saltman and Solange Chatillard and Hannah Postel and Jessica Chu, they actually clarified that what comes out from these 100,000 Chinese in Zambia are actually 10,000 10, because 100,000 meant, I might say, non-native non Zambians living in Zambia. This is... Uh, foreigners. Yeah, foreigners, foreigners yeah. For, for, for anyone involved in Chinese spaces, foreigners. We're used to the term. So this is how I got involved. Then we had the uh, wildlife protection issue. And now let us uh, have a look at the text. So I think translating this second white paper on Chinese aid was not that difficult, no major difficulties, because we have established translations of technical terms. Still, sometimes translating these things is really difficult, like the speech of uh, Xi Jinping in Dar es Salaam last year. Uh, so I identified four central issues. Could you tell us about the difficulty in, in Xi Jinping's speech in Dar? 
uh, he made a lot of historical references uh, uh, concerning uh, Zhou Enlai's African safari in 63-64 and also the first generation of African leaders, for example, Nyerere and his Ujamaa policies. So there were a lot of hidden references in um, in his speech. And the difficulty is to find the right translation because you need some sort of historical continuity when you translate these terms. You can't just change the, the terms and translation for technical terms. Does Xinhua ever think about doing footnotes? Or they have to translate. I haven't seen that before. I haven't seen that before. There's no contextualization when it comes to the translation of these documents and speeches. That is an impossible task. It, for anyone who, who knows about members of the Communist Party who give speeches, you always have to give a speech laden with subtle historical references. That is what has to be done. And if you don't speak Chinese at a certain level, or you're sensitive to culture, uh, Chinese culture, you will not pick up on these references. As someone who never picks up on these references, and I never understand what they're saying, it, it can be disorienting. Exactly, exactly. Um, yeah, so I, so I identified four major issues, uh, being the translation of concepts, references, omissions, and simple mistranslations. So let me come to the first, translation of concepts. This was actually not a huge deal with the uh, second white paper because we have established translations for, let's say, aid, ODA, FDI, and win-win. But it becomes more interesting when you go into concepts like the Chinese dream. Or in the last paragraph of the document, they talk about the world's dream. So it's, it's really difficult um, because you initially don't know what, what is actually uh, meant by that. Another term would be political friendship because friendship usually does not occur in documents like that in Europe or the United States, but it often appears in, in Chinese documents of that sort. So then you need a text collection to contextualize these concepts. And uh, I might hint to the Digital Archive of Chinese Studies at uh, the Institute of Chinese Studies in Heidelberg. They have an entire collection on texts that, um, that um, are about the concept of the Chinese dream, which was first proposed by Xi Jinping himself. So and the translation of concepts would be the first major issue. The second is references. So what is the context of the document you're looking at? And I actually found really interesting uh, references in this second uh, white paper on Chinese foreign aid. Have a look at the, the second paragraph in the preface which says, when providing foreign assistance, China adheres to the principles of not imposing any political conditions, not interfering in the inter internal affairs of the recipient countries, and so on and so forth. And this is actually a direct reference to the five principles of peaceful coexistence, uh, also known as Pan Shield of 1954, which was a treaty between China and India concerning Tibet at the time. Another one would be, Point two, 
One, promoting agricultural development. And this is actually where you can see how much Chinese domestic experience is in this white paper. Because this might refer to the 1962 comment of Deng Xiaoping on how to restore agricultural production. The wording and the vocabulary is very, very similar. Another one is uh, 0.23, improving medical and health services. They have something called carrying out brightness trip activities in the English translation on the Xinhua website. Now, this is something you don't understand if you don't know the context. It actually refers to Guangmingxing which is Towards Brightness. It's a musical piece for Arhu by, by Liu Tianhua uh, from 1913, and it refers to development and, and, and national development and a bright future. So they use this rather political musical piece and, and use that as a name for um, a medical program that, that proposes treatment of eye diseases, which is really interesting. And you also have to know that this song was used by the May 4th movement, so it, it has a political content. And the fourth, I found, is um, under 4.1, is a historical reference to the Tazara, the Tanzania-Zambia railway built by the Chinese in the first half of the 70s. So these references are, are really interesting when you when you translate the documents and it's important that you use a consistent translation uh, so you can cannot just simply look at the document in front of you but you have to see it in a continuum of historical events and documents number 3 would be omissions and this is when it becomes really interesting concerning the second chinese white pa uh, white paper on chinese of foreign aid, and we have uh, a point called promoting export to China. And within the paragraph, we have the sentence in November 2011, then Chinese President Hu Jintao announced that China would offer zero tariff treatment to 97% of the taxable items from the least developed countries that had established diplomatic relations with China. Now, I checked that out and looked at the Chinese text. And there's no Hu Jintao in it. There's the term which translates as China's top leader or China's top leaders. So Hu Jintao, the name, is not in the Chinese text. And the crazy thing is, but there is an information that is in the Chinese text, but not in the English translation, which is... Um, which is the G20 Cannes 2011 summit. So one information is in the English version, but not in the Chinese, and the other one the other way around, which can be really confusing. So you always have to check uh, with the original text and then how it is translated. Well, dear listeners, we are going to cut out here but please stay with us. We will have the next episode up shortly. Dear listeners, thank you for your time and take care.